0: Hello. This is Adrian Hendricks and Jerry Hendricks of Say One More Now Incorporated, where our focus is to lovingly confront all activities dishonoring human life created in the image of God. There is no greater dishonor to human life and to God than to bypass by ignorance or rejection His salvation that is only available through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today. Oftentimes, it is amazing what can be noticed from a single reading of the Scriptures we would like to share a few reflections from our time in John chapter 6. Many people have made promises that were kept, but many more have made empty promises. Fulfilled promises are usually the best way we can know whether or not someone is dependable. But there is only one person who has ever made promises that were always carried out without fail, even if it took some time for them to come to pass. That person is God. The sorcerer-prophet Balaam said these words to King Balak at Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the Son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and shall not he do it? Or has he spoken, and shall not he make it good? The Lord instructed Moses to tell the Israelites what to do about anyone who would claim to speak for God as a prophet at Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 20 through 22. But the prophet, who shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or who shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, How shall we know the word which Jehovah has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of Jehovah, if the thing does not follow nor come to pass, that is the thing which Jehovah has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. The point here is that God gives his seal of approval to everyone who is really sent by him by causing what they say to happen. Samuel was one such prophet who spoke for the Lord. It is said at 1 Samuel 3, verse 19, As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him and made true everything that Samuel said. God always gives proof of what is his or from him so people can be confident about what he tells them to do. It hasn't always worked that way because people tend to forget what he has done in the past. But God's work with people has always had an eternal purpose, to bring them to the one prophet from among the people who would bring them to God himself. That prophet was Jesus the Messiah, which means the Anointed One. Moses, speaking for the Lord, told the Israelites about this special prophet at Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15-19. through 19. Instead, he will send you a prophet like me from among your own people, and you are to obey him. On the day that you were gathered at Mount Sinai, you begged not to hear the Lord speak again or to see his fiery presence anymore because you were afraid you would die. So the Lord said to me, They have made a wise request. I will send them a prophet like you from among their own people. I will tell him what to say, and he will tell the people everything I command. He will speak in my name, and I will punish anyone who refuses to obey him. Before going further, we want to define three words here for clarity. Genuine, Truth, and Insane. Referring to Dictionary.com, Genuine refers to that which is not counterfeit, authentic, real, free from pretense or hypocrisy, sincere. Truth refers to the actual state of a matter, conformity with fact or reality a verified or indisputable fact, honesty, integrity. Insane talks about that which is not of sound mind, mentally deranged, the characteristic of a person who is mentally deranged, utterly senseless. So, what is the test for a person being genuine? How does one determine if someone is telling the truth, especially if what is said seems so fantastic that if it is not the truth, the person speaking must be insane? In Discussing Jesus, author G. K. Chesterton said in his book, The Everlasting Man, If Christ was simply a human character, he really was a highly complex and contradictory human character. For he combined exactly the two things that lie at the two extremes of human variation. He was exactly what the man with the delusion never is. He was wise. He was a good judge. What he said was always unexpected, but it was always unexpectedly magnanimous and often unexpectedly moderate. When Jesus appeared, some people seemed to recognize him immediately by the wonderful miracles of deliverance, healing, and provision he demonstrated. But even with these events taking place before their eyes, other people still had trouble believing Jesus. People today are also skeptical about Jesus, even if they're willing to accept his virgin birth, his miracles, his death on the cross, his subsequent resurrection, and his ascension. Referring again to Chesterton on what Jesus taught, he notes, There is another quality running through all his teachings, and that is the persistent suggestion that he has not really come to teach. Many people claim to follow Jesus' teachings but leave him out. They stop just short of following Jesus wholeheartedly because of bondage, cynicism, distraction, perceived rejection, or just plain unbelief. They still miss Jesus. Let's examine one particularly stunning example of people missing Jesus after he performs two spectacular miracles recorded in John chapter 6, starting at verse 1. Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles, which he did on the sick ones. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and sat there with his disciples. And the Passover was near, a feast of the Jews. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and saw a great crowd come to him. He said to Philip, Where shall we buy loaves, so that these may eat? And he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Loaves for two hundred denarii are not enough for them, that everyone may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are these among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men recline. And there was much grass in the place. So the men reclined, about five thousand in number. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to those who had reclined, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted." And when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments left over so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered and filled twelve hand baskets with fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over to those who had eaten. Then, seeing the miracle that Jesus did, those men said, This is truly the prophet, the one coming into the world. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they would come and take him by force, that they might make him a king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain alone by himself. The recognition of a true miracle was so great here the people wanted to make him king over them right away. Truth is that he was and is a king, but his kingdom is in another realm. They would all learn that shortly. We continue at verse 16, And when evening had come, the disciples went down to the sea and entered into a boat, and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark, and Jesus had not come to them. And the sea rose up because of a great wind that blew. Then having rowed about 25 or 30 furlongs, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the ship, and they were afraid. But he said to them, I am. Do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. 25 to 30 furlongs is about 2 and 3 quarters to 3 and a quarter miles. The Sea of Galilee is just over 8 miles wide and just over 13 miles long. Note that when Jesus entered the boat, they spent no more time in the water because the boat was suddenly at their destination. This miracle was not lost on the disciples. The following day... The crowd standing on the other side of the sea had seen that there was no other little boat there except that one into which his disciples had entered. And when they saw that Jesus did not go with his disciples into the little boat, but that his disciples had gone away alone, however, other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they ate the loaves, the Lord having given thanks." Therefore, when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves also entered into the boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. For God the Father sealed him. According to Bible scholar and author of Thayer's Greek lexicon, John H. Thayer, the word sealed here involves the following meanings. To set a seal upon, mark with a seal. To seal in order to mark a person or a thing. In order to prove, confirm, or attest a thing. To confirm, to authenticate. God had sealed or attested to Jesus' authenticity with the miracles so that people would trust what he said because of what he was regularly able and willing to do. At verse 28, Then they said to him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. Therefore they said to him, What sign do you show then, so that we may see and believe you? What do you work? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Even after eating that miracle meal, the people struggled with believing Jesus. They asked him for a sign. Perhaps that meal didn't qualify as a sign because it was gone. They didn't seem to understand anything he was saying. Then Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Moses did not give you that bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes on me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you also have seen me and do not believe. All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and the one who comes to me I will in no way cast out. For I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of the Father who sent me, that all of which he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes on him should have everlasting life and I will raise him up at the last day. Then the Jews murmured about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How now does this one say, I have come down from heaven? Here the religious leaders are busy casting doubt on Jesus' words, even though everyone had plainly seen and eaten the miracle he worked just the day before. They scoffed at his words so that the people would doubt what had happened. At verse 43, Jesus therefore answered and said to them, Do not murmur with one another. No one can come to me unless the Father who has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, And they shall all be taught of God. Therefore, everyone who hears and learns from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God, he has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes on me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and died. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, so that a man may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he shall live forever. And truly, the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews argued with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life in yourselves. Whoever partakes of my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who partakes of my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live through the Father, so he who partakes of me, even he shall live by me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and died. He who partakes of this bread shall live forever. He said these things in the synagogue, as he taught in Capernaum. And may we add, as he said these things, he blew everyone's mind. They all knew that drinking blood was prohibited. They could not figure out what he meant. He was about to explain to them that he was speaking of spiritual things, but they were all stuck thinking about this in a natural manner or in terms of what they had eaten on the mountain. Then when they had heard, many of his disciples said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? But knowing in himself that his disciples murmured about it, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you should see the Son of Man going up where he was before? It is the Spirit that makes alive. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and are life, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who is the one betraying him. And he said, Because of this, I said to you that no one can come to me unless it was given to him from my Father. From this time, many of his disciples went back into the things behind and walked no more with him. This is the tragedy that happens today. People leave Jesus too soon because he tells them things they cannot figure out. He reveals truths about them and about himself that tie them in knots, and instead of asking him for clarification, they leave. He shatters their preconceived notions about God, about heaven, and about the requirements of holiness. Because they dismiss Jesus out of hand, they also miss the eternal life he is so ready to provide for them. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also wish to go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have known that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have I not chosen you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? But he spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who was about to betray him, being one of the twelve. People still ask how Judas Iscariot could be with Jesus for three years and yet sell him out to the religious leaders who themselves were violating the law they claimed to follow by plotting his death. This is not a pleasant thing to consider, but we put ourselves in the same position to miss Jesus when we refuse to follow Simon Peter's example. We must cling tenaciously to our trust in Jesus, the Son of the Living God, who alone has the words of eternal life. If we trust our own fleshly desires for food and comfort and turn away because we lack them, if we trust the words of skeptics who use scoffing and reason to make us disbelieve, if we jump past what seems to be impossible and decide to trust ourselves because we know better, we will surely miss Jesus by leaving him too soon. Later we see that the disciples who remained with him were rewarded with the truth about Jesus' special meal. This is recorded at Luke chapter 22, verses 19 and 20. Jesus took some bread in his hands and gave thanks for it. He broke the bread and handed it to his apostles. Then he said, This is my body which is given for you. Eat this as a way of remembering me. After the meal, he took another cup of wine in his hands. Then he said, This is my blood. It is poured out for you, and with it, God makes his new agreement. God's ultimate seal on Jesus has identified him as the food of eternal life for everyone who believes. After all he has done for us, it's too soon to leave Jesus. As we continue to go to him, as we continue to trust him, and as we continue to wait on him, Jesus will prove and reveal every promise he has ever made and we will not be disappointed. And finally, the Apostle Paul declares at Acts chapter 17, verse 31, that he, God, has set a day when he will judge the world's people with fairness, and he has chosen the man Jesus to do the judging for him. God has given proof of this to all of us by raising Jesus from death. We at Save One More Now, Incorporated encourage all listeners to seek the Lord for his calling on your life. If you are faithful to spend time with him throughout the day, you will come to know without a doubt that he really loves you and he has a purpose for your being here. We can be reached by email at truelifeatsaveonemorenow.org or at our telephone number in the United States, 850-727-0493. We look forward to joining you next week and ask you to remember,
1: Life is good.
0: God gives life. God is good.